0: Hello and welcome to the Between Movements podcast, episode nine. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about classical improvisation, which is a topic that has interested me greatly throughout my career, especially being a musician who grew up working across various genres. I've always been interested in jazz. I played in rock bands, uh, played in many churches where improvisation was a large part of uh, how I did music how I understood music. And then going into the university system, it was interesting because I realized that most classical musicians don't improvise. Most of them can't improvise even simple melodic lines or harmonic accompaniment. Historically, this was not the case. In the days of Beethoven, Mozart, Chopin, Liszt, it was expected that classical musicians would know how to improvise. In fact, improvisation was so common during the classical era that the word improvisation did not even exist. They instead used the word fantasien, or in English, we would translate fantasy, meaning that something was performed on a whim or a flight of fancy. There's this great quote from 1597 of the English composer and theorist Thomas Morley, where he writes, The most principal and chiefest kind of music which is made without a ditty, that is without lyrics, is the fancy or fantasia. That is when a musician taketh a point at his pleasure, and resteth and turneth it as he list, making either much or little of it according as shall seem best in his own conceit. In this may more art be shown than in any other music, because the composer is tied to nothing but that he may add, diminish, and alter at his pleasure. And so improvisation was viewed as one of the most original forms of music making. In fact, it can be argued that it is the original form of music making if you go way back in time in history uh, to the birthplace of music when music was not written down. In fact, language was not written down um, until later. Uh, Mozart was notorious for improvising in his uh, cadenzas of his concerti. Some people will argue that he wrote them down, and therefore since he wrote them down, we should play them exactly as he played them. However, historically, uh, there are letters in which he writes to his sister that when he performs did not write them down. He he played whatever came into his head. Uh, Therefore, he wrote the cadenzas down for his sister or for his students. All the other prominent classical figures, uh, Bach, Beethoven, Chopin, Liszt, they would all improvise during their concerts. They expected their students to improvise. Uh, And then fast forward to today, most classical musicians do not improvise. And so this actually prompted me to write my dissertation, which is entitled, The Rise and Fall of Piano Improvisation in Western Classical Music Performance and why today's piano students should be learning to improvise. Improvisation began to fall out of popularity around 1840. The idea was that at the time, these composers were creating more and more complex pieces of music. You had composers like Wagner, you had composers like Mahler, Richard Strauss, that would create these long, epic journeys. Um, And it was viewed that the performer was subordinate to the wishes of the composer uh, especially in extra complex music when the performer is going around and, and manipulating the written down score it was seen as too much ego in the music and so lots of critics began to complain that performers would for various reasons improvise around sometimes those reasons were they were just too lazy to learn the text, um, maybe there were super complex passages, or they would just resort to these uh, flourishes, these arpeggios, and these scales that would work, but um, began to feel very empty of actual musical content. They were just flashy. Uh, and so, for these reasons and for the reasons of fidelity to the music and the score, it began to be uh, more and more frowned upon to improvise. It is interesting that. Even to this day, that is the prevalent view in musical conservatories. Uh, Most musical conservatories do not teach classical improvisation. I didn't even really know about this topic until I began to research it myself. I was never required to take improvisation courses. The vast majority of my colleagues were not uh, required to take improvisation courses. And I actually did, um, uh, when I was researching for my dissertation, I put out a few polls across... Uh, these Facebook classical music groups um, received dozens of responses. And I'd say maybe like 90% of them never had to take improvisation during their classical performance degree. I mean, this is by no means a a scientific study, but uh, it's more anecdotal. However, just looking at the musical scene, when you see recitals of classical music, it is very rare to see... um, one improvised from the stage i can probably count on one hand the number of times that i've seen that and there are a few uh, prominent performers some of uh, most of whom i cite in my dissertation Uh, one is robert levin the harvard professor who uh, chooses to improvise in the style of mozart and beethoven and he usually does so on classical period instruments Uh, he also does many lectures on it uh, Some of which are on YouTube. There's a fantastic one um, on Mozart, uh, which I'll link in the description below if anyone wants to see that. Uh, He has a lot of insights. I learned a lot from him. Uh, You have performers like Gabriela Montero, an Argentinian pianist who uh, improvises during her concerts, she'll do something where she'll ask a random audience member for a musical theme, just to hum or sing a theme, or maybe they'll cite a theme from a common piece of music. She'll take that theme and she'll improvise on it and create an entire piece of music on the spot. Now, this style of improvisation uh, is not unique to Montero. In fact, Liszt used to do this. Franz Liszt, during his recitals, he would have the audience members provide themes for him, Uh, Chopin, Although he didn't concertize much because of his poor health, he did have several house concerts or salon concerts, as they were called, and um, oftentimes he would improvise on Polish folk songs, or or when he was employed at the Visitek church, he uh, improvised from the piano and from the organ. There's this quote I love that I wrote down from the uh, famous German poet Heinrich Heine. uh, Describes not only the quality of his improvisation, but the fact that for Chopin, this was one of the primary aspects of his individuality as a musician. He writes, Yes, one can admit that Chopin has a genius in the full sense of the word. He is not only a virtuoso, he is a poet. He can embody for us the poesy which lives within his soul. He is a tone poet, and nothing can be compared to the pleasure which he gives us when he sits at the piano and improvises. There are many, many quotes similar to this describing how, for many people, the highlight of a concert was when the performer would improvise. For me personally, this was interesting because I gave a concert probably a couple years back at a church where I mixed uh, classical music and I actually improvised around uh, the theme, My Favorite Things. And I based it on uh, the jazz pianist Brad Meldow's rendition, where I actually uh, transcribed note for note the first few minutes of his improvisation. And then I just went off and I, I kind of began improvising uh, around it myself. And I received many positive comments. And one of my friends uh, specifically told me that that was, for him, the most enjoyable part and memorable part of the recital. Also interesting because he generally does not like jazz music, he generally likes classical music more. Now I'm not the first person to write about this. When I was researching dissertations, I did find about four or five dissertations for the, at the doctoral level that had been written uh, in the last decade or so. Um, but that's not a large number, given how many dissertations are written. Another prominent musical figure who wrote about this is Robin Dale Moore. He's a professor in the School of Music at the University of Texas at Austin, received awards, including fellowships from the Rockefeller Foundation, MacArthur Foundation, National Humanities Center, Um, well known in the ethnomusicology world. He had a paper in the International Review of the Aesthetics and Sociology of Music. Uh, The article is titled The Decline of Improvisation in Western Art Music in Interpretation of Change. He states that his paper confronts the puzzling fact that improvisatory performance has ceased to interest a majority of conservatory-trained musicians, despite the fact that performers of European art music in previous centuries exhibited considerable interest in improvisation and continued to consider it an important musical skill until at least 1840. And so there's this ongoing question. If we are playing the music of composers who improvised and if we are dedicating ourselves to this art form this historical art form which had improvisation at its core then are we really doing it justice when we don't improvise there's something to be said on either side of the spectrum and so what i tried to do in my paper is not to say oh we we have to learn improvisation at the expense of of the text i don't think that's the case i think there can be a middle ground and that's really what i tried to get at take someone uh two figures for example beethoven and bach uh right bach known for his counterpoint known for his um, incredible understanding of harmony of lines and how music is woven together yet he improvised so he like something like the art of fugue the goldberg variations uh so, so much attention to detail. So much has been written on it. So many performances of it. Um, or Beethoven, who, who towards the end of his life, wrote more and more complicated music. He's credited with the composer who ushered in the Romantic era from the Classical era. Um, and he began composing longer works of music. He began using uh, German uh, text in his music rather than the typical Italian that was used. So I think there's this kind of false idea that if a person is improvising, it means that uh, they're doing so at the expense of understanding the music itself, when in reality, I think the opposite is true. Uh, In one of his papers, Robert Levin talks about the fact that in order to improvise in the style of a particular composer you need to understand the language of that time this because music one of the quotes that bothers me that is often cited by many people is music is the universal language i've been i've heard that quote so many times and it really irks me because the language of delta blues is not the language of baroque music it's not the language of indian classical music it's not the language of west african drumming you can take people who are really proficient in one area and it doesn't necessarily correlate with music from another part of the world i think that musical cultures develop their own language and that's what sets music so you could just take pop music from the 80s and pop music from the '60s, right, and they have different sounds. They have different harmonies, different recording techniques, um, and that's that's what gives it its distinctive sound. So, if a comp- if a performer is going to improvise in the style of Mozart, they have to understand the harmonic language, the structure of the music, um, how how music develops, how it often has uh, a statement that's repeated transitions from the tonic to the dominant and this repeated in the dominant and then development section it goes through a series of keys it finally returns back to the tonic in the recapitulation right we learn all these things in our theory courses we learn how to analyze music we learn what's the chord structure okay that's a five six five chord that's a neapolitan sixth if you don't know what i'm talking about um these are just jargony terms that musicians use to describe what's happening. But the problem is, we learn all these terms, we learn to analyze the music, and we are not taught, or at least it is very rarely taught, to either compose in that style, and much less to improvise in that style. Now something I found out, which was pretty interesting to me, is there is an organization called the National Association of Schools of Music, or NASM, NASM it's sometimes called. Uh, They're a major determiner in music curricula across the board in the United States for institutions of higher education. They're a pretty influential organization for what musicians study across America. And so here's a direct quote from their handbook for the 2018-19 year. Students must acquire a rudimentary capacity to create original or derivative music. It is the prerogative of each institution to develop specific requirements regarding written, electronic, or improvisatory forms and methods. It goes on to explain that students should know how to compose and how to improvise. Uh, and yet, when I look at my uh, the institutions I studied at, there was very, very little exercises where students had to... Uh, compose maybe there was like I had to compose a canon and one fugue in my entire uh, musical education I never had to compose anything in the style of Mozart or in the style of Beethoven or in the style of Chopin uh, right but we did have to analyze it we had to analyze it and say okay this is what's going on but we never had to create anything original I think that's a shame I think uh, it goes against how historically music was taught and I think in order to understand the language you have to be able to create something with the language say a person is studying a foreign language if i'm gonna go and study the italian language which i don't speak and i i learn the grammar and the nouns and the pronouns and the parts of speech and i dissect pieces of text but all i ever learn to do is recite uh italian sonnets or something, but I never learn how to actually converse, how to, how to bring across my thoughts. Uh, that is somewhat analogous to what happens in the world of classical music when musicians don't learn how to improvise. Now from what I'm told when I brought This subject up to my committee and several other professors to get their take on it is that the issue of improvisation in classical music is gaining more notoriety as of late. So I think that this issue will be changing in the course of the future. Uh, The College Music Society published a report in 2014 they revised it in 2016 and it's titled transforming music study from its foundations a manifesto for progressive change in the undergraduate preparation of music majors in the study they say there have been repeated calls for change to ensure that musical curricular content and skill development remain relevant to music outside the academy the academy, however, has been resistant, remaining isolated and, too frequently, regressive rather than progressive in its approach to undergraduate education. While surface change has occurred, to some extent through additive means, that is simply providing more courses, more requirements, more elective opportunities, fundamental change, that is in the priorities, values, perspectives, and implementation has not occurred. Uh, this. Manifesto was 28 pages long, I counted over 50 times that they used the word improvisation. Uh, so it is something that is known, it's something that um, is being discussed, yet uh, these institutions are very slow to address the change. It's also fascinating the role that critics played in the change of mentality towards improvisation among classical performers. Uh, the New Grove Dictionary says the early 19th century witnessed a meteoric rise in the popularity of improvisation and then its near extinction post-1840. It was most of the critics who began to criticize the sensationalism, the triviality, and superficial nature of the improvisations of these performers. So the idea was that musical depth was being sacrificed to show off technical prowess. This led to the idea, which is more common than any other idea that I've encountered, that a performer is takes on the role of interpreter, of going between the composer and the audience. So you have this composer in the past. So say you're playing a Beethoven sonata. All this attention to detail, all the dynamic markings, all the markings in the margin that he wrote about, how he wanted it to sound, he had such a clear idea in his head the idea is that the performer is trying to, in essence, convey exactly what Beethoven wanted to convey to the audience. And the degree to which this thought is taken is a little bit interesting because, number one, Beethoven didn't play on a modern piano. He played on the forte pianos of his day he didn't play in a modern tuning system of equal temperament he would have played in some kind of just intonation system of various types so how much do we want to follow this idea of fidelity to the score and i'm not arguing that that's a bad thing um in lots of cases i think it's really great i wouldn't want to take this piece of music by beethoven and change it and because specifically with some composers like him uh, the music is so complete in and of itself that to change it almost seems to destroy the essence of the music but again that doesn't that doesn't negate the fact that i want to be able to understand the language to create something original within that framework so the other problem about the interpretive model when that is the only model that is used is it leads to a fear of playing the wrong notes and a fear of messing up. Any classical musician, I think, would understand what I'm talking about. There is such a respect for the text itself that to play a wrong note or to leave out a certain passage is is, is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's that fear that begins to make it harder and harder over the years for a classical musician to improvise because at the core of improvisation is experimentation and while experimenting you will fail it's guaranteed that you'll fail you'll you'll produce all sorts of sounds that sound horrible that don't quite mix in the style that you're trying to create so while i was doing more of my research for the dissertation several of the studies i found or the articles talking about how teachers from various schools had implemented improvisatory education most of them addressed this psychological factor, the, the factor of fear of failure, fear of messing up of wrong notes. And they talked about how, especially with classical performers, it's important to create an environment where they understand that that is necessary in order to get better at the improvisation and not to judge themselves too harshly and not to judge one another too harshly, uh, because it's a completely different, different art form. In fact, it actually uses different brain centers. There have been uh, studies with the EEG scans on musicians playing memorized music versus improvised, and it clearly shows different parts of the brain. I don't want to get too much into that right now because I want to save that for another episode. But just like anything else, if you're trying to learn a new art form or a new skill, it does have that awkward phase. And this cycle in the university system, in the education system, has created this uh, like chicken and egg phenomenon, which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, the student who doesn't want to improvise, or the teacher that didn't learn how to improvise uh, as a student and then became a teacher, right? So so the cycle compounds on itself until 1840, forty. we're almost 200 years later, and we still haven't achieved a system which teaches improvisation the way it was taught historically so most of what i've talked about is just discussing the question why don't classical musicians improvise Uh, none of this has discussed what can be done about it how to implement it uh, the scientific data the research what's been done what's being implemented what has worked what hasn't worked right those are all discussions for other times but uh, this is one of the most common questions that i get asked especially when i would mention about my paper people would always want to know well, why, why did that happen? Why did that happen historically? So that's in essence why uh, we've come to this place where most classical musicians do not improvise. So I hope you guys learned something. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to leave me any comments, any questions. I'll be posting more in, of this in the future. I'm going to do some vlogs actually demonstrating improvisation, some tools that I discovered that can be used to learn. So. Please stay tuned for those, but in the meantime, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Between Movements.